Welcome to Made It Happen podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hafling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. Through interviews with female entrepreneurs, Made It Happen is dedicated to inspiring others through stories of those who've experienced going out on their own firsthand, discussing all the highs and the lows. It can be easy to see the glamorous side of starting your own business through the internet and social media, but what does it really take behind the scenes to launch and run your own successful business? Listen in for tangible tips and advice for growing your business from those who have been there. Hear how these inspiring female founders made it happen. Welcome to the second episode of the third season of Made It Happen podcast. I'm so excited for this episode. It is featuring an award-winning social entrepreneur, Jen Harper, founder and CEO of Cheekbone Beauty Cosmetics. Cheekbone Beauty is a digitally native, direct-to-consumer brand that is helping Indigenous youth see themselves in a beauty brand while using the concept of the life cycle thinking in the brand's ethos and in developing products. Creating a new segment in the beauty industry, Sustainable, Socially Conscious Beauty. Jennifer Harper has been making a name for herself in the beauty industry for a number of years, but has been gaining popularity quickly after being on the hit CBC show's Dragon's Den in 2019. Cheekbone Beauty's mission is to help every Indigenous youth see and feel their enormous value in the world while creating sustainable cosmetics. Cheekbone Beauty is committed to donating 2% of revenues to organizations that support Indigenous youth. During Cheekbone's infancy, Jen endured a heavy personal loss with the suicide of her brother, BJ. This loss, though difficult, has remained a driving force behind the desire to see Cheekbone succeed with its mission to empower Indigenous youth. In addition to Cheekbone's mission, she strives to educate as many people as possible about the residential school system and the effects it had on her family and friends through decades of generational trauma. She speaks regularly to university, college, and high school students about social entrepreneurship, empathy, the history of First Nations family. She has also been invited to speak at various entrepreneur groups, women in business associations, Apple Canada, and First Nations organizations. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode. It was such an amazing conversation. Jen's story is just so inspiring. We talk about the idea of Cheekbone Beauty and where this came from, what those first steps were to building the business, everything she's learned along the way and struggles she's overcame, her experience on Dragon's Den, getting into retail stores such as Sephora Canada, and so much more. So tune in. You don't want to miss this. you all know, we are now in season three of Made It Happen podcast, and I'm so excited to announce our brand new merch for the show. You can see all the options on our website at madeithappenpod.com, as well as in the show notes to shop now. If you do, make sure to post on social media, tag us so we see and can share, and thank you so much for the support. So today I'm joined by Jen Harper, the founder and CEO of Cheekbone Beauty Cosmetics. Jen, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm very excited to be speaking with you. And to start things off, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? 
Sure. So I'm Jen Harper, the founder and CEO at Cheekbone Beauty Cosmetics. We were a digitally native first brand. So that means we were born uh, on the internet and started really working directly with customers the end of 2016, 2016. However, since then, we've been, we've grown quite a bit and we now, and that started in my basement with like only 500 bucks. And now we are um, out of my basement in our own offices, headquartered in St. Catharines, Ontario. And we now are working with organizations like Sephora Canada that also supports our brand and sells our products online and in nine other stores in Canada. Our brand's mission and vision is making sure every Indigenous kid on the planet sees and feels their value in the world while we're crafting sustainable color cosmetics. We've really taken up this massive obsession with learning how things are made um, in our in our beauty space. So our focus is color cosmetics. So really trying to figure out and how we can share with our customer um, what exactly people are putting on their faces. And we really... It's important, one, for the customer to understand, you know, a lot of us spend a ton of money on things like skincare and trying to make sure our skin looks great. Um, And so our step here is to really also tell people and share with people that you could be purchasing products that are not only color cosmetics, so they're to add pops of color and, and enhance features, but at the same time that that product can be be dual purpose. So acting as skincare at the same time as doing, you know, having fun with, with color on our faces. I love that. And yeah, I definitely agree. It's, it's so important and there's so much I want to dive into with that. Um, it's such a fascinating story. And I guess to start off, do you want to tell us, you know, where did the first idea of cheekbone beauty come from? Yeah. So this is like a pretty insane story. I always chuckle when I tell it because it sounds so crazy, but literally middle of the night, I, I'm not a big dreamer. I don't have tons of actual physical dreams, but this dream, I remember it's January of 2015. I pop out of bed that night and I was, I literally exclaimed like, this is it. I figured this is what I'm going to do. And what I remember most from that dream was the the joy and laughter. These native little girls were just covered in lip gloss and making quite the mess of themselves. But the thing I took away was that joy and laughter. Grabbed my laptop and started just writing out what was is the foundation of our business plan to this day was like, figure out how to make this lip gloss product. And then I wanted to give back to my community in some way or support somehow. And the only thing I could think of at that time was, uh, you know, start a foundation in honor of my grandmother, who was a residential school survivor, as well as, or a scholarship fund. I didn't know what that looked like, but I was paying attention to companies at the, at the time that were doing this, this idea of you can operate a business, but also be giving back at the same time. And I was really fascinated by organizations like Tom Shoes with the one for one program. Um, and I thought, how can we create a business on with that same kind of model, which has a name, it's really a social enterprise or a social impact business. Um, and that was the beginning, you know, fast forward throughout those next two years before launching a ton of learning about the beauty industry. So I have no background in the beauty industry whatsoever. I come from the food space. And so learning that there was this thing called white label, which is really common and it's where manufacturers are making products. Um, I knew about it in the food space, but then learned that in the beauty industry that happens as well. And there's a lot of manufacturers out there that can make products for you. Um, And it's just about creating your brand and putting a logo on it. So 
knowing that's not the brand that I like dreamed of, but with the money I had at the time, it was sort of our easiest way to dip our toes into this idea of creating a cosmetics brand. Would I go back and do it that way? I don't think so from what I know now, but you have to start somewhere and you learn. I've made so many mistakes along the way, but I think all of those mistakes are really just opportunities to learn how to do things differently and learn a new way. So being naive early on um, is good and bad in in so many ways, but uh, definitely have learned a ton. But the whole purpose was okay, create a business, this representing indigenous faces, like more models that look like me and, and, and that kind of thing. And then also like, how can we create something that was about giving back? Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love that. I think it's such a powerful purpose. And, you know, in terms of sort of, you know, entrepreneurs making mistakes, I think, or it's just more like lessons I, I find. And, you know, that's the only way to move forward. So it's sort of great to learn from those, like you said. And, you know, even before that, you know, when you had that dream, did you always know that you wanted to start a business or did you ever see yourself as an entrepreneur or was it more when you found that idea, you said, this is it? Yeah, that's a great question. And no, the answer is I didn't even, I think, even know what that word meant, entrepreneurship. I literally, there's a couple of times I remember thinking, oh my goodness, like my best friend in high school took in grade 11 entrepreneurship. And I used to think, what what class is she taking? I don't even know what that means. And so really learning what, what it really means to be an entrepreneur. And it was about starting your own thing and building your own business. Once I realized that that was a possibility, that, you know, down the road really became an important piece of the story and why I'm so open about sharing our journey. Cause I don't think a lot of kids in general, and then specifically from indigenous communities really see that you can start your own thing. You know, we're not necessarily all designed to go on maybe that educational path that leads us into other careers and, and really showing that this is an opportunity for, for young people if they so choose. Absolutely. I definitely agree. I think it's so important. And I love that, you know, entrepreneurship has really become more of a conversation lately. Like it's really a path. And that's part of what starting this podcast too, is sort of sharing those journeys. And so, you know, once you had the dream and you knew this is what you wanted to do, what were those first sort of steps into it and, you know, learning how to really start up the business? Yeah. So as you can imagine, and I'm sure you fully understand, it's like you're, you're, you're just, once you get an idea about something, you start to dive in and it's really just spending a ton of time researching things and testing markets and, and learning. Like I just spent, I feel like the last, you know, five years have truly been dedicated to learning about an industry that I knew nothing about, but it's also helped me navigate that space as well and really see where the gaps are and what we could bring into, you know, the world really doesn't need another lipstick brand. It certainly does not. And so once we got here, it was like, what could we do and make that was actually going to improve the space? And, and for us, then that became, you know, part of our story now is truly creating a more sustainable business and brand. And then that started with, okay, that sort of white label scenario, that's not going to cut it. And and how can we then go figure out 
how we're going to build the sustainable brand and make more sustainable products. And that required a ton of capital, uh, which I did not have. I don't come from like a big wealthy family um, or had anyone really willing to offer me money to start a business. And so then I had to navigate, okay, how do other people do this? And then paying attention to the whole investment world inside of things and realize that there's funding out there and and people want to support businesses, whether it's angel investment, you know, for seed funding, or you're, you're taking loans or finding grants. There's the avenues to find capital. Now I realize are endless. Um, But when you're starting out, you don't even know that those things exist. So there's been so much learning um, along the way, but I believe truly that it's because of the passion behind the purpose of our brand, the reason why we've never lost sight of that, regardless of what we're, we're, we're making and what we're planning on making and creating. It's only helped us, I think, drive in and drive home what we want to do as the business even further. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I, I think that's so important. And I love that, you know, it's that's sort of always that purpose you're going for. And that's great that it's been carried through throughout this. And, um, you know, you talked about sustainability aspect there as well. And so I know that you sort of been creating this new segment in the beauty industry. Like you said, you had this new perspective, you could see what there isn't. And so there's say, a phrase there, sort of the sustainability, socially conscious beauty. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, where did this concept come from? And what does it really mean to you? Yeah. So I think, I feel like we're definitely not the first people in this space coming up with these ideas, but what we are doing differently is because we're indigenous rooted, we're we're really looking to my indigenous roots, my Anishinaabe roots and how people of the past looked at things like sustainability. One thing I did learn along the way is, you know, we don't even have a word for sustainability in Anishinaabe Moan, which is uh, my my people's language. Um, however, there's teachings and concepts and one being how what we do today impacts the next seven generations, not just the next generation, but the next seven And so that truly then means being so thoughtful about the processes of how you make and create things. So then looking at it through this indigenous lens, plus using Western science, and and that Western science portion is a concept called life cycle thinking or life cycle analysis, when you're really focusing on how things are harvested, made ethically, the human impact, you know, all too many times we hear about children being impacted in mines because of mica. uh, And that's just one example. And then discovering that there's different options. So using life cycle thinking from that beginning process to the end of the life of a product, which is the raw ingredients, as well as the packaging, we don't want it to end up in a landfill, nor do we want to disrupt ecosystems. So that means when people are washing makeup off their face, and it's going down the drain, and what do those raw ingredients do to that ecosystem? And we don't want anything to be negatively impacted. And so thinking about all of those things along the way. um, And that was, you know, seeing that the world is ready for, as we all should get more conscious, right? So like just thinking deeper as a society about the things that we use, the products we're using, where they're coming from and and what is happening to things after. So we love that we're carving out this space, like conscious beauty, mindful beauty, where, where I think if we just get a little think deeper about everything, I think we'll, we'll all be better off. 
Yes, 100%. I definitely agree. I think that's so important. And it's great that you, you do have that, you know, offer for people, you know, you have that option people for that, as well as the awareness around it. Um, I really love the way that you put that as well. And, you know, I think that that's just something that we all need to work for. And it's great that there is sort of this awareness coming towards it. And, you know, before that too, you also mentioned, you know, about raising capital and funding. And um, I do know that you were on a Dragon's Den um, as a pitch, which was absolutely, it was so inspiring. I was in tears from it. It was just, it was so moving. Um, so if anyone hasn't seen it, I definitely recommend, but do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience on this? Yeah. So, so early on in, it feels like in the journey and one, because I think I got some of the best advice that I needed to hear at the time from Michelle and Arlene, which was, they're like, you're just too early for for equity. And equity means you're giving up a piece of your business to somebody else for a price based on the value of your business at that moment in time. And as you can imagine, new businesses don't have a lot of value because they don't have a proof of concept through revenue or, you know, PO purchase orders from large organizations. That doesn't exist yet in a new early business startup. And so being too early to take on equity would be a big risk and a big mistake. Um, And so the whole experience was really scary. Something I don't normally love to do uh, is get up in front of strangers and start talking about things that I feel like I don't even know enough about. Uh, But I knew it would be a great number one marketing opportunity for the brand. Like when you're a small brand, you really just want people to find out about you and learn about your business. So we knew that that box would be yes, checked for sure. But then it was also this great process of me, one, practicing and learning a pitch and how can I really hone down that pitch so that I could tell someone possibly in an elevator somewhere along the way of this this entrepreneurship journey and, and do it in two minutes and explain everything that we're trying to do. So that was a great practice in itself. And then um, flexing and working on that courage muscle, because I always say I'm not a... I'm, definitely was a born introvert, which uh, makes this very challenging when you have to be out in the public and talk about things. But forcing myself over these last few years to get out there to tell more the story and to talk to more people has only proved to to help me as an entrepreneur grow as well as only help our business create and and get more brand awareness, which both are, are great assets to have. And I always encourage everyone. I know it's hard for for us that don't feel as comfortable with doing those things, but you will not regret it. You know, it's just that whole practice, practice, practice is only going to get us uh, further down that path. And finally, hopefully in front of the right person to hear about your business, your story idea at the right moment in time, but no one's going to know if we don't get out there and do it. And so Dragon's Den was an excellent experience for that. And, And being in front of six Canadian business icons hearing their feedback. Because one thing we don't think about sometimes as business owners is we need to hear the feedback and even the negative stuff, because that truly just helps us, you know, remove things maybe we don't need in the business idea or concept or add something where we do. But feedback is critical um, in taking it, you know, obviously with a grain of salt, because not everyone even sometimes believes in your idea. But if you do, and if it's in your gut, and it's not going away, you will surely find ways to keep that going. But I encourage everyone to try Dragon's Den. If that's uh, on your to-do list, get out there, do it. It's certainly helped our business and hopefully it will help yours. 
Absolutely. And I think that's great advice too, especially for those that is, you know, it is very scary putting yourself out there and, you know, making those pitches, but it's like you said, in terms of brand awareness and being a business owner, as long as you practice it, it's definitely beneficial. And another point you brought up before too, as well is, you know, getting into the retail space and you mentioned Sephora. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience with this and sort of the process you found? Yeah. So really, really, this is okay. I'll be honest, building the first part of the business, doing it from my basement still. I'm just purchasing products from other people. I'm not doing any manufacturing. I'm not making formulations. I'm, I'm white labeling. That is easy. And we all know easy is never going to be successful or super successful. If it's too easy, let's face it. We know, we know this is human beings everything worthwhile is going to be difficult. And that the best analogy is always like fitness for that, right? Like you can't just go down that easy path for that easy walk on that treadmill, you know, if to up your game, you have to increase tensity, the speed, or whether it be the the height, all of those things, weights, it's just important to increase the intensity to get better. And so that part was easy. What was hard was when I discovered that is not going to grow or be successful or sustainable in this industry that is highly, highly competitive. The story about being an Indigenous-owned, operated brand will only take me so far. My products need to get better, um, and our product story had to get better, and how we make and create those products, that story had to improve 1,000%. Sephora does an accelerator program every year where they will invite founders of up and coming brands to be a part of this like six month program where they sort of take them through like the ground up branding, marketing, design, product packaging, product development, all of the things. So I applied for the program. I got to go meet with Sephora Canada's team in Toronto bring my products, which were the the white labeled products. And they were really clear and said, these kinds of products will never grace the shelves of a Sephora ever, ever, ever. We do, you are here because we see and love the brand story. Um, and I think that they saw the potential, but what happened was I left that meeting waited to find out that I didn't get accepted to the accelerator program because we just weren't good enough. We were not there yet. And as entrepreneurs, it's really important you accept that. And then it's up to you to decide where do you want to take this? What is the next level? And I wasn't prepared to end it when I realized that, no, the, the revenue from our online store was proving that the brand had the power to exist. However, I did believe Sephora. I knew they were correct about us not having the right products and product development story. So I left that meeting armed with tons of information and ready to start that new path to go figure out how to get money to help me build this sustainable beauty line that I had always dreamed of. And so that was the next part of the journey. And that part is where it got hard and where it's been hard ever since. And it doesn't feel easy any single day anymore at all. Um, But that's just, but I wake up every single day really stinking happy because it's only from the insights and feedback. And I stayed in contact with the Sephora team, the higher level people, and I just would send them products when we were making things. And I finally waited, I would wait and they would get feedback and then we'd tweak it and I would send more. And then finally, in January of 2021, they said, okay, we're ready. We we're, we're, we're think we're going to launch you in Sephora in September. 
of 2021. And they did. But that's what it took. It's just like that constant effort. And then the hard work of me going out and seeking capital and finding the right investment partners. So we met Raven Capital and uh, they believed in us. We met them just before the taping of Dragon's Den, actually. And um, I said to them, look, I, I believed in my head that there could be some big opportunity on Dragon's Den. Looking back now, there never would have been just because we were so early, as Arlene and Michelle had said. But Raven, the team said, yeah, no problem, we'll wait. But they had given me a term sheet of a debt, uh, an investment deal, which is called convertible debt, where they weren't taking any equity. It was way more money than I was asking for on Dragon's Den. It was $350,000 with no equity at this time, just convertible debt, which means it could eventually turn into equity or I would pay them back. And no bank was willing to offer that to me <laughs> at the percentage rate that they were. And so it was a great deal. And I feel so privileged and blessed that that opportunity came in along. And they've been our investment partner since and helped us grow to where we are today, where we've, you know, we now built our own lab. We employ our own full-time chemist. We work with sustainability scientists and chemists uh, to help us make and create all these products. And we have partners now around the world that help us work on our formulations and craft them to make them be better and help us see better packaging that all falls under this umbrella of us trying to be more sustainable. And for someone who knew nothing about the industry, knew nothing about how to make a lipstick, knew nothing about where to source packaging, um, it, I really, some days I stop and I cannot believe how far we've come since that, you know, little white label brand out of my basement. <laughs> That's absolutely incredible. And it's such an inspiring story, you know, especially how you said too, you know, you kept going back, you kept taking that feedback, making the adjustments. And that's really what led to it being so successful in the end. And I think that's truly what does make a successful entrepreneur, a successful business. So I think it's so inspiring that, you know, you, you were persistent with that. And I think it's, it's just because of that passion with the brand too, which is really great to see. And, you know, you talked about there too, there definitely has been a lot of challenges along the road, like any entrepreneur or business. Is there one sort of big obstacle that you've really overcome um, throughout your journey and sort of what did you do during that time in order to overcome it? That is such a great question. And there is tons. There's so many examples, but I would part, like, I really want to be honest with you and your audience. I think the struggles are managing my personal life, family, family issues while operating a business. For me, those have been the biggest challenges over the last few years and having family issues happen and really big things and that are really hard. And that's what I think we have to understand. Like that's all part of life and operating a business, but still coming to work and trying to be a leader and lead a team and be positive and that it's possible to do that. And that's where I think mindset and how we think about things and what we think about as human beings is really, really critical. Like the our thoughts are really powerful, um, and it's important that as individuals, we we train ourselves to try to think as positively as possible, even despite the most challenging of situations, um, whether it's be personally or professionally. Um, and having a wonderful, supportive community and family, like I'm so fortunate that my my husband, my life partner, is just been such an, a huge support to the to me as knowing the work I have to do, um, but then also being there at home to be someone I can talk to at the end of each day. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's so important. And also, you know, with, with time management, I think a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners can definitely relate to that. It definitely is, is such a challenge, but it's great to see that, you know, you have figured out sort of how to find that balance and you have that support system. And then on the other side of that, has there been sort of any big milestones or a really big success moment that really stands out to you? Uh, absolutely. 100%. The launching in Sephora.ca in September and then the same year getting nine stores in nine stores with um, a special podium installation and the national campaign that we won in 2021 as well. So we were in TV commercials across national television, as well as on billboards across the country and all these digital ads. And it was the prize of a million dollar ad spend from Bell Media, which a little brand like any other small little brand will understand. You don't have a million dollars in ad spend in your budget ever. Like um, I think we're all scrounging for marketing dollars. So that was just, you know, the Q4 of 2021, the, that whole back half of the year was really an incredible moment for us. And um Despite being, you know, I think a hard year digitally, if anyone out that listens to your podcast is in the digital space, 2021 was a big challenge because of so many reasons, starting off in January with the iOS changes and then not knowing what's going to happen with email marketing. And these are the ways that us small businesses got in front of our customers and it was like the rug was being pulled out from under you. And then now because of the pandemic, we kind of we had this space, like nobody was in here. We were kind of on our own, but now because of the pandemic, every giant company that has a big budget is also here. So we just, our, uh, our presence got smaller and smaller and smaller. So 2021 from our digital e-commerce space was really tough and challenging, but um, you know, grateful we're figuring it out in 2022 and you know, it's not easy. It's going to be hard. We know that, but uh, that, that's what, uh, that's what happens with successful companies. There's always those challenges that we're we're here to overcome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I definitely agree. And and like you said there too, it's it is really about making those pivots and adjustments as as those challenges come along. And if you had one piece of advice that you know you would give to someone who's starting a business, or maybe something you wish you had known when you first started out, what sort of advice would that be? Oh. Again, such a good question. My answer is going to be the same because I feel like all those things that I wish I would have known, I only learned through making the errors. So it's hard to just pinpoint one. But one thing that I have done every day since that dream was woke up and did something to work on cheekbone to move it forward. And with that consistency, I have no great skill. Like, honestly, I don't. I am no better at something than any other human being that can't figure this out, too. But it's just with that consistency, that's why Cheekbone Beauty has been successful. Absolutely. I think that's such a great piece of advice and definitely so important in building a business. And um, I just, I'm so inspired by your story and everything that you've, you've accomplished. And do you have sort of future plans coming up for yourself or your business you'd like to share? We are working really hard to build our relationship with Sephora USA. I feel like Canada has been great to us. Um, we definitely have built out a wonderful audience here, but when you're a business, you want to scale and expand operations. And so for us, navigating the U- the United States of America, our friends in the South is our next big thought on our vision board. And so we're working really hard at making that happen. Well, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see all of that to come. And where can people go to find you, find your business and purchase your products online? 
Yeah. So our homepage is cheekbonebeauty.com or you can go to sephora.ca and we're also available there. One of our best sellers is our Sweetgrass Lip Gloss, which has been our best seller since the day we launched. But we as a team hands down agree that we're all obsessed equally with our mascara, which we just launched when we launched in Sephora, as well as our complexion pencils. So they're not foundation, they're not concealer, but they can do all of those things. Amazing. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for joining me. And I always just like to end off with a quick little rapid fire question segment. Are you a business owner looking to establish yourself as an expert in your industry, reach new audiences and build brand awareness, and form more personal connections with your current customers? seems like a no-brainer, right? But how do you do this? Enter podcasting. The podcast industry has been growing rapidly over the past few years and doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. After starting Made It Happen, I saw the power podcasting can have, and I want to help other entrepreneurs and businesses do the same. Enter Elevate Podcast Co., a podcast agency helping entrepreneurs and businesses have their voices heard and elevate their brand. We support launching and growing podcasts to connect with your audience, build authority, and amplify your business. Through podcast coaching, management, and our portable podcast studio, we will help you reach your podcast goals. You can visit us at elevatepodcastco.com as well as in the show notes and book your free discovery call to learn more. So you can just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, So first one, owning your own business means? Happiness. One word to describe your business. Giving. Someone you look up to. My mom. A female-owned business. Spanx. (laughs) A book you'd recommend. Oh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Dr. Stephen Covey. I read it for 10 years straight every year, and it's just very valuable for life and business. (laughs) Love it. A lifesaver for your business. So this could be a platform. This could be a planner, just something you couldn't live without. Ooh, like Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I think Instagram almost now TikTok. So it's like transitioning. Yeah. A non-negotiable you have is? Honesty. And the best advice you've ever received? Stop worrying so much about what other people think. Because nobody's really thinking about you. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That is a great piece of advice. And thank you so much again, Jen. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. I loved hearing about your story and I just can't wait to see all that's to come with Cheekbone Beauty. No problem. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to Made It Happen podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And thanks again for all your support. I'll see you next week.